Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning, it's 11.06 here on a Sunday morning. I'm Terry Stacy, along with producer Kylan Talley. Good morning. Hi. Hey, listen, everybody. Thank you so, so much. We've got another Radiothon benefiting the Salvation Army in the books. You amaze me every year with your generosity. As I look at uh, the total, how it ended yesterday, and the money's still coming in. They're still counting. But right now, looking at it, we're at $430,345.76. Yay! You're amazing. You're truly amazing. Uh, and we really are grateful for it. If you'd like to continue on, WIBCRadiothon.com. We're still taking money. And those red kettles, absolutely. There's still a lot of names on the angel tree list, which are the families that need some assistance this year. So their child will have something under the tree. Uh, grab one of those angel tree uh, kids' names. There's still time to do that as well. I believe... Well, maybe, am I wrong? Did they go shopping for Angel Tree yesterday? Did they pass? I, I need to double check on that. I've I'm, I'm been in so much of a, a radiothon mode. I was thinking there were still a lot of kids who don't have uh, have those names grabbed yet. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, disaster can strike any of us at any second. And the consequences financially, what are they when it comes to rebuilding your home in an event of a tragedy? Here's Denny Smith. Last week on the Home and Garden Show, which is on from Saturday nine to one we had a caller with a question that neither pat nor i could answer our caller steve spoke about his friends in colorado who had lost their home to a forest fire and unfortunately they've remained homeless because they can't rebuild that home for the amount of money for which it was insured our caller steve wanted to know how he could remain safe from something like this happening to him if he burned his house down with a toaster like sullivan did Well, I didn't have a a good answer for him. I reached out to a friend in the real estate business, somebody I've known for quite some time. Greg Cooper from Compass Real Estate joins us now. Greg, I've got a couple of questions about this, but how much have homes gone up in price in the last five years? Well, at at probably 30%, I think locally, Denny, is probably a pretty fair number. And and that's an astounding number. And that might be low, by the way. I'm I'm like to hear a little bit on the side of being conservative for expectation's sake, but uh, they've gone up significantly. That's a lot in a short period of time for Indiana. We don't generally see that, but th- this has been a national phenomenon, and we've certainly experienced it as well. Well, if our homes are going up, up in value, does that also affect construction costs involved to rebuild it in the event uh, of a loss? Well, the construction costs and the supply chain issues and all of those things that, that everybody has been hearing about forever certainly contribute significantly to the cost to rebuild. And, and this is where people have really gotten themselves in trouble relative to the issue that you've just described in terms of homeowners insurance. How often does it happen? Have you ever had a client with, with a situation like this? I can specifically point to two instances earlier this year. And this conversation's kind of been ongoing uh, for the last six to eight months. But there were two instances earlier this year, families that I knew that had fires and were at a deficit in terms of how much it was going to cost to rebuild their home. And the, the consequences were quite significant financially for them. Okay, well, what do you do? You know, the bank's only concerned with the insurance covering the amount of the mortgage, not replacement costs. Right. So right. what, as a professional realtor, what do you recommend to clients as far as preventing something like, and by the way, how did they fix that? Did they have to borrow more money to fix their house up? 
Absolutely correct. There was a, in one case about a 40000 and in another case about an $80,000 deficit of a cost to rebuild versus what the insurance was going to cover, what the insurance was rated for. And so both of these two particular situations, they had to take out another mortgage to cover that amount of money to go ahead and rebuild. And, and keep in mind, the bank only truly, and exactly as you said, Danny, cares about the amount of money that's in the mortgage, but you got to rebuild that house and be living there and making that payment. So they're going to have a problem with you if you're underinsured and, they, and it comes to that. So you need to be extremely diligent on being aware of what your replacement cost is and what it might actually cost for you to rebuild your home in the event of a tragedy. Boy, that is just such great advice. Stay in touch with your insurance professionals and make sure you've got replacement costs forever. And uh, Greg, no, listen, while I have you, what's happening in the real estate market right now? I can't let you get away from me without you know, filling us in what's going on right now. Well, the, contrary to the national headlines, which just literally make my hair hurt, they're so off base, Denny, the market is not crashing. The market has not tumbled. It's not cratered. It's not done any of those things. We've really plateaued. And frankly, we've plateaued into a normal market, which means the really good houses that come on the market still are selling very quickly despite higher home mortgage rates. The homes that have warts in terms of the demand for homes in the market, if they've got a dated kitchen or a dated master suite or whatever it may be, the dated homes are taking longer to sell. And I would, I would suggest that home sellers right now are probably six months behind this trend. They have not all come to grips with this yet. Home buyers who are out looking at homes, they understand that when properties sit on the market, that they have a little more leverage in this process that they haven't had in years. That's uh, that's exciting news for first time, second time, move up buyers. I bet they're pretty excited. Have the price increases started to slow down a little bit? Indeed. And, and you know, really, even though the rates are higher, the mortgage rates are higher, it's very relative compared to where we were in March and April. Here's a quick example for you. In March and April, if you had a $300,000 home, you might have had to pay three forty dollars to get it bought, even though the rates were 35 or 4%. Today, you might pay two eighty five or two ninety to get it bought. So you might pay forty or fifty grand less for the actual house, even though your home mortgage rates are higher. There's a leveling out there and ultimately you're gonna be the one to recognize the equity growth as the years come to pass in the future. Greg Cooper, you're the best. Thanks for spending time with me. And what's the best way for folks to reach out to you? Uh, best way, Denny, is, is my email address. It's greg.cooper at compass.com. Anytime. Happy to answer your questions and uh, be, be able to be of service in any way. It's my privilege. Yeah, that's the best. That's Greg Cooper from Compass Real Estate. I'm Denny Smith for the the first day right here on 93 WIBC. Thank you, Denny. It's 1112. I just want to kind of put a warning out there. We're we calling it a warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, coming up at the bottom of the hour at 11.30, we've got a guest that's coming up, and we are going to talk about Santa. And if you've got little ones in the room, if you've got little ones in the car, I'm going to give you a warning again that I, I don't want the little ones to hear. If you are a believer of Santa, I don't want you to hear it either. So we're going to talk about that in just at, and so this is your warning at 11:30 we're going to we're going to be talking about Santa and if the little ones are around I'd like for them to leave the room or I would like for you to turn the, turn us off if you which would. we won't say much often <laughs> but you can definitely go listen to the podcast so go to wic.com yeah, it'll be posted there and you can listen to the conversation later but just not with the little ones I don't want them to believe. hear I don't want them to hear I don't I don't but it's a conversation that has sparked a, a lot of um, controversy and uh, within our office and also online. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But coming up next, Kylan? We have a doctor joining us. Oh. Yes. We'll have a doctor joining us to talk about social media addiction.
Oh. Everyone's dealing with it in some way. You know what? We talk about alcohol addiction, drug addiction, food addiction, and social media addiction, mm-hmm. too, is something that's very real. So we will talk about that. Kylan will have that conversation after the break on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Welcome back to First Day on 93 WIBC. I'm Kylan Talley, and social media has become a big part of our lives. No one can deny that. That also means there are different reactions that we have to certain things. For example, studies have shown that our brains literally light up with every single notification that happens on your phone. Every vibrate, ding, alert, everything in anticipation for how our network is responding to us. That also means we can have different reactions to that certain anticipation, and sometimes even addiction. And that's why we're joined by Dr. Brian Boxer Walkler, MD. He is one of only two influencers worldwide to be selected as a member of the advisory committee for identifying credible sources of health information in social media for the National Academy of Medicine, Council of Medical Specialty Societies, and the World Health Organization. He recently released his newest book last month called Influenced, The Impact of Social Media on Our Perception. Dr. Brian, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Kylan. Thanks for having me on your show. Tell us about this new book, Influenced. Yeah, so Influenced is essentially a 911 call to action for your listeners. I'm a Beverly Hills medical doctor with 3.5 million followers, and I have a flaw. I had easily become addicted to social media. And Kylan, if this happened to me, then it's very likely that a lot of people listening right now to your show can also become addicted to social media. And that's really the reason I wrote the book and did the research and was transparent about my own experience to show you the warning signs and also the tips and the tricks to avoid the problems that I had. And especially for parents with the holidays now coming up and kids getting electronics, I know a lot of parents find it's really difficult and have even at times feel like they've lost their children to their phones. And that's another reason, Kyle, and I wrote the book Influence to help parents safeguard their children on the apps because they have a lot more challenges even than adults when it comes to social media and self-regulation and basically staying safe. What are some of those warning signs that you had mentioned? you find yourself having to check social media right when you wake up in the morning and also the last thing you do before you go to bed, that's a red flag. And if you even find yourself not even aware of how much time you've spent, it's like an hour or two has gone by because you're just scrolling and scrolling. That's another thing that could be concerning. But ultimately, when it comes to the actual addiction, if it's interfering with relationships, with your real relationships with family and friends, then that's also um, definitely where it's just gone too far. And there's a whole chapter called Living with Social Media that goes into that. For you, what started this social media addiction journey, what are some of the reasons that get people addicted to these platforms? The reason this occurs is because it's like gambling in a way. It's stimulating this neurochemical in our brain called dopamine, and that's what makes us feel good. 
Like if we have a, even coffee or chocolate, that's what makes us feel good. It's actually stimulating dopamine. And gambling does that. Sex and drugs does that as well. And so does the social media effects. So when you're scrolling and you just don't know if you're going to get a good video that comes up next as you go through your scrolls, um, it's the unpredictability that's actually the addictive component. And that's the same with the slot machines and gambling. And in that respect, it's not any different. Right. And like a slot machine, you do get that rush of serotonin or dopamine whenever you get a like on a post or a comment. How can that rush be addicting or even just dangerous in general and something to be aware of? Because you don't know when that's going to come next, you keep doing it, right? And that's why slot machines particularly are so uh, potentially addictive. It's the unpredictability of when you get that next post. Are you going to get a lot of likes on that next post, you know, Kylan? And as you just said, like, that's what makes you feel good. And uh, when people post on social media, that's a lot of times what's reinforcing that behavior, to keep coming back, and they just don't know if the next post is going to give it, and that's the unpredictability. That's the key behind why it keeps pulling people in. Mm-hmm. For you, on your journey of going through this and researching social media addiction, what have you found helps with social media addiction? What are some of those ad- pieces of advice? Number one is to set limits on your phone. So the apps do give you the ability to say, okay, I'm only going to spend 15 minutes or 20 minutes on the given apps. And that's important. Um, Also recognizing that if you're starting to see some people reacting to you overdoing social media, because, you know, family is everything. And if you start to see some reactions of family members complaining how much you're on the phone or friends, Um, saying that, then you should pay attention to that because they're trying to give you some really important feedback. And um, ultimately, if you start to have that strain bubble up, which I did with my uh, twin daughters who ironically got me onto TikTok in the beginning during the pandemic, um, it really strained my relationships with them for a period of time and my wife, uh, where they literally had to have like a sit-down TikTok intervention with me. And um, so those are all things you just have to pay attention to, you know, what you're seeing from people around you. And um, the chapter Living with Social Media goes into how to recognize it and for yourself, but also for other people, too. And what are the tips and the tricks as well? So that chapter does go into detail about that, too. We're talking with Dr. Brian Boxer-Walkler, who has his new book out, Influenced, talking about some social media addiction and how you can help prevent it or else get better from it. Dr. Brian, on the other side, if you are the family member trying to reach out to that person addicted to social media, what are some pieces of advice for them in bringing up that conversation without ruining the relationship? Yeah, that's a great question, Kylan. So first, don't be surprised if they are in complete denial that they have an issue. That was what happened with me. At first, I didn't actually even accept that this was a problem. But then still be patient with them and support them and try to explain that what's happening like with the relationship, that they're spending time away, they're missing out on experiences. If it's a family member, that they just can't be replaced anymore. And, um, you know, sometimes a professional may need to be involved. In my case, that wasn't necessary, fortunately, but sometimes it is. But the book does really give people those tools to be able to help the loved ones in their life with, uh, that are having this problem. Uh, because 
you know, right now, even in adults, you know, 30% of adults have admitted to being addicted to social media. So by no means is it, is it only a teenage or child issue. This is a everybody issue. Mm-hmm. It really is an everybody issue, and it's nice to be able to recognize that and move forward. Another question that Terry was even asking me was about the dangers of parents or grandparents posting pictures of their children and grandchildren. Can you talk a little bit on that and how maybe that can be a danger? Yeah, so that's a, it's a concept called uh, sharenting, uh, where people are, as you described, like sharing pictures of their kids and you know, look, we're all, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. But I think one thing that we have to recognize is when we post on social media, our children, you know, those images are being used by the platforms in ways we may not even know. So um, it's just important to at least be aware of that. And um, also, particularly like if someone is away on vacation or out of town, you never want to post pictures while you are actually on vacation because people's homes have been broken into and burglarized because that's like a big, you know, flashing set of uh, lights saying, look, I'm out of town, come rob me. So save your vacation pictures for after you come home to post them on social media. That's just one example. And and we go into other things, too, uh, that people uh, make mistakes that end up backfiring and actually either harming them or harming others because of just not being aware of some of the things being posted on social media by parents and grandparents. As a medical doctor, I know we have only about a minute left, but as a medical doctor, did you find anything else within your studies that you'd like to share with our listeners before you have to head out? Yeah, that children's brains really aren't fully developed until about age 22 to 25. So even though, you know, they might at this point be driving a car and doing well in school, but their ability to have full questioning about what they see on social media and whether they should follow it is still really hampered. And, um, and adults can help children, uh, parents can help children with those critical thinking skills. And uh, we talk about that in the book and also explain why. For example, there's a chapter called Hooked on Clicks that goes into that. Dr. Brian Boxer-Walkler, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on First Day. My pleasure, Kylan. Thanks so much for having me. Great job, Kylan. Uh, it is 1128. Two things. I wanted to mention Sam Fritz with our first day music report. We had to bump him last hour. We will play him at the end of this hour. But here is what we want you to know. Coming up, if you've got little ones with you in the car or you're um, able to hear our next conversation, they can hear your, our next conversation, you might want to change the channel or turn it off, or send them out of the room if you're at home, because we're going to talk about Santa. Hide your kids. Hide the kids right now. And you too, if you're a believer, hide, hide your ears. As we continue on the first day on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And 34 here on 93 WIBC. Terry Stacy, along with producer Kylan Talley. Hello. Donnie Burgess is here. I'm here. I've, I've missed you on way. Sundays. I've missed being here. Love Parker, but it's always good to see your face. Well, you so can't happy. Beat the original. <laughs> yeah, you're my original. 
All right, listen, if you believe in the magic of Santa Claus and you've got the kids in the car with you or they are in the same room as you listen to us this morning, I'm going to give you five seconds to turn off the station or have the kids leave the room for about 10 minutes because we're going to talk about Santa. Spoiler alert. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler alert incoming. Which is 14 days until Christmas. There's a story out there about Gen Z parents refusing to teach their kids about Santa because the children will be traumatized when they find out the truth. Now, joining us now is Kim Minch. She's a certified parenting coach, and she's the founder of the Real Life Parent Guide, which offers one-on-one coaching to weigh in on this topic. Kim, it's so good to meet you. How are you? Great, Terry. I'm glad to be here with you this morning and talking about Santa Claus. Yeah. The hashtag Santa isn't real has been trending with tens of millions of views on TikTok. The topic has a lot of parents even here in our building talking about Santa, who's been around for centuries, by the way. And uh, about what age, Kim, do kids do kids kind of stop believing in Santa? Well, I think it all depends on if they have older siblings or what they're hearing at school, right? If it was just up to parents and family, I think they would believe a lot longer than they do. I will say as a mom of five, my kids were probably around the age of 10 when they no longer believed. Yes. Kim, this is Donnie Burgess in the uh, newsroom. Um, I have a little girl named Emma and she is approaching her uh, uh, second birthday. And I was an only child, which I'm uh, I'm glad you brought up the the aspect of having multiple children, a multiple children mm-hmm. family. I was an only child. So my mom sat me down around the nine year mark and she just hit me with Santa Claus and a couple of others. Just the cold, hard truth. Tooth fairy. Oh, oh, everything. She decided <laughs> to. Easter bunny. <laughs> she, Easter ri- bunny. <laughs> she ripped that bandaid right off. So for me. My little girl's coming up on two. We are having the conversation of, do we introduce it? Do we not? Um, and when it comes to that time to maybe break the news, how, how do you rip the Band-Aid off? What do I do, Kim? That's what I'm asking. Well, okay, here's, here's I'm going to give you the perspective. My kids are 17 to 35 now, and I'm going to share a very short story about what happened with my eldest son. He was 10 years old, and I, it was around Christmas time, and I went upstairs to say goodnight. And, um, you know, his light was out and he asked me, he asked me a question that I knew was going to come. I just, I knew it was coming. Right. And, and he said, is Santa real? And I was like, oh crap, here's, you know, this is really the moment of truth. And so I I sat down on his bed and I rubbed his back and I said, no, Santa's not real. He started crying Mm. and then, and I just rubbed his back and I just, you know, kept talking to him. And, um, then he said, is the Easter bunny real? And I had to be truthful about that. What I didn't anticipate, and then, of course, it was a tooth fairy, but what I didn't anticipate was his next question. And he said, is God real? And I didn't anticipate that question. And it, like, broke my heart at the time because I was like, oh, my gosh. So, okay, that being said. So, so given that, okay, that was a traumatic night as a mom. And it was, a, you know, it was a traumatic night for him as a kid. I had four other children after him. I, I really thought seriously about what, what to do. I continued what, what was tradition and what I was brought up in. And what I want to say is trust, building trust with the child is a two-way street. And were I to do it again, I would handle things differently. And I applaud 
the you know millennial and Gen Z parents that are thinking through and maybe choosing something different for their families. I just have to say that. Kim, I've almost I've sort of wondered now that I've had a child. Maybe maybe the change is maybe not introducing Santa, but what Santa has meant, the message. The magic, the magic of yeah, Santa. Yeah, absolutely. What about absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think there's, I don't think, you know, Santa can't be a part of Christmas at all. I'm just saying I would rethink it. And here's the other thing. My kids, one year, we had a tough year, and all the kids on the block got motorized vehicles. My youngest two were three and five. And they wondered why didn't Santa bring them, you know, a motorized vehicle? And, you know, I felt bad because I think they felt Santa didn't love them as much as, you know, or think as much of them. So I just, I think it could, I think Santa in general can be rethought. And I, you know, like I said, I think parents are becoming more thoughtful about just doing traditions in the way that they were raised and making conscious choices. And I, I just, I love that. One mother commented uh, that commented about all this story. She said, I don't want to scare my children into thinking that they have to have a certain way, uh, behave a certain way, or that, <clears throat> or that they were more naughty or nice than other children based on Christmas gifts. But I started thinking, kind of, that's, that's what this younger generation is doing with Elf on the Shelf, isn't it? Isn't that what Elf on the Shelf does? Doesn't it move around the house watching your children? It does. Right? It doesn't. I will tell you what my kids were two and four or something when that came out my youngest two and I used that thing I used it I I totally because I was at my wits end when my kids were little but in looking back and I read the story again I'm like this is crazy like this is all about how we get our kids to behave for external and achievement and I, I just feel like younger parents today are becoming thoughtful in a different way than maybe I was about the messages they're sharing with their kids Yes, I think up on the shelf in some respects can be a great way to get your kids to behave. But is that really what you're looking to achieve? That's about the same age. Is that about the same demographic of kids that uh, that that have that belief that of the magic of Santa? Is there about the same age for Elf on the Shelf, too? Right. It's not it's not a different age bracket. No, I would say definitely the what? two to five year and older than that. It really, I mean, I think once kids get older than that, maybe elf on the shelf and the whole not touching the elf, whatever, doesn't, doesn't make as much sense. And the beautiful thing that we did in our family is my boys, I have, you know, I have a huge age range and we had the older kids helping us with the younger kids. And so that, you know, again, I, 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 I think every family needs to think it through and make decisions you know, based on what their family values are. I just would say that I didn't think about the trust issue. um, And I didn't know as much about how important it is for us to build trust with our kids. You know, it's a two way street. It's not just kids, you know, them, we trust them. It's they have to trust us. So think about that parents. Yeah, I do. And I look back to myself and when we initially saw this story and I started thinking, you know, and then there's been some debate back and forth here in our own building. I started thinking, well, you know what? Santa's been around forever. And I don't even remember when I realized the the magic of Santa and that Santa wasn't a, a, a real fella. Um, but but, um, you know, in this day and age, it's, it's just a little bit different. And, and who am I to judge? Kylan, you've got a question. Yeah, Kim, I I will say I still believe in the tooth fairy. I know my parents are supposed to be the tooth fairy, but I don't know how they did it. So I'll leave that there. But when I 
I learned that Santa wasn't real from a kid on the bus. There you go. He was mm-hmm. talking yep. about it on Christmas. He said, why do you guys still write letters to Santa Claus? So how about dealing with that journey and with those kids and maybe that conversation for parents with their children about not... Yeah, Yeah. we don't believe in Santa, but maybe you keep that to yourself because there's still kids that believe that sort of thing, right? Absolutely. Every and like I said, I think yeah, I think it's a discussion you have with your kids, and you ask them not to tell. But we all know that there are kids, even if they say tell their mom, they're not going to tell them. They do because it's just so juicy. And I I don't think you're ever going to be able to fully get around. My oldest son had a friend who was 12 when I told you about the story with him. His friend was 12, and his friend told him, "Was I mad at the friend? I wasn't mad at the friend. I mean, you know that that's that's kind of the risk you." take I I would suggest to my kids if you know if we didn't use Santa in the same way as commercially we see all over that I would say to my kids you know you know let's keep this here in the family you don't need to you know talk about it at school but I don't think we can stop kids from talking to one another and 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 if your kid comes home and they tell you that the friend told them, well, then it's your call. Like every time you say, no, Santa's real. No, Santa's real. The spirit of Santa is real. But what our kids believe is real is is what they see on TV and what we, you know, what we tell them. So parents, you need to decide, is it worth, you know, if your seven-year-old comes to you and they've asked a couple times, you know, and you keep saying, no, Santa's real. No, Santa's real. Do you think that's going to Maybe at some point, I mean, we all remember when we heard Santa wasn't real, whatever age that was, and how kind of like defeat or, you know, like it took the magic away. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know that I like got mad at my parents. I wouldn't say that, but it still just takes away something. So why not be upfront and, and, you know, from the beginning, then you don't have to worry about that ever happening. Kylan. Yeah, Kim, were you talking? We were talking earlier to Pat Cook, who's an elf helper and yes. writes back to all of the little letters to Santa from kids. Are there ways that you guys in your family replace the tradition of maybe writing letters to Santa Claus, leaving cookies and milk for him? Are there any? Is there anything that you do? <laughs> oh, I forgot about family? all that part of it. Yeah. You mean like now that my kids are older? Um, I guess just growing up after or, they realized that Santa wasn't oh, real oh. or things you um, might suggest instead. You know, that that's a good question. I don't know. I think my kids just wanted to believe. So um, my youngest is 17. And at this point this year, we won't put out cookies. But I think every year they still do it. They still oh, do it, I and that. I still Aww. take a few bites of cookies, and I, I still, if they, if they take the time, if my teenagers take the time to write to me, I'm going to write them back. So I, I got to tell you that it hasn't really changed. <laughs> that's good. I love that. I think that's great. Uh, Kim Minch, uh, she is a certified parenting coach and the founder of Real Life Parent Guide. And how can people get a hold of you, Kim? Well, I'm on TikTok at Kim, or Kim Minch Parent Coach. And I'm also, you can find me on my website, which is reallifeparentsguide.com. Kim Minch, M-U-E-N-C-H. There you go. Hey, Kim, thank, thank you, you so much. What a great conversation. We really appreciate it. And uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Happy holidays to you all as well. Thanks. Come back and see us. You betcha. 1145, you're listening to The First Day on 93 WIBC. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. God bless us, everyone. Snow is falling and my world feels right. I got children laughing. It's a wonderful life. No, I don't 93 WIBC. It is Terry Stacy. Indianapolis Animal Care Services has their event this weekend called the Sweater Weather Adoption Event. The shelter's got a lot of animals right now that are waiting to go home to be with their forever family. And joining us now is Roxy Randall, the public information officer with Indianapolis Animal Care Services. Happy holidays, Roxy. Happy holidays to you, too. What's it like at the shelter right now? It is very busy here at the shelter. Um, we've got animals in every available office and room that we can have them in and then crates in the hallways. Mostly dogs, mostly cats? Mostly dogs, and that's 130 animals that are available for adoption. So we do have more than that that are maybe unavailable um, simply because they're on their strayway and just waiting for an owner to come find them, but that's 130 animals that could go home with their adopters this weekend. Tell us about the sweater weather adoption event. Yeah, so the plan is, of course, to get all of our animals adopted. Um, We are participating in the Best Friends National Adoption Week so it's kind of a dual adoption event for us. Excited to match people with their animals. What comes with this sweater weather adoption event? Either, do you get any kind of deals right now? Yeah, so we will have some dog sweaters available to go home with adopters. <laughs> and then we also have goodie bags that are cat and dog specific. So in our cat bags, we've got some toys, some treats, and litter scoops. And then in our dog bags, we've got uh, toys, treats, and then also the poop bag holders for when you take your dog for a walk yeah. and then in our adoption folders we've got some coupons to like petco and city dogs grocery adoptions are free this weekend yeah so it's from 10 a.m to 5 30 p.m and adoptions are free animals are spayed and neutered vaccinated and microchipped before they go home and dogs are also heartworm tested and if a dog is heartworm positive we pay for the heartworm treatment the adopter just takes them to and from the vet appointments and abides by any restrictions that vet places on them so if anyone is on the fence or they maybe have kids or pets in the home already, we do offer that two-week trial adoption with our Cuddle Before You Commit program. And what that is, is you'll sign the adoption paperwork and then also foster paperwork, and you'll take the pet home for 14 days. If they are a great fit, on day 15, we process the adoption. You don't have to come back to the shelter. But if during that time that you find out the pet is not a good fit for your home, you can just make an appointment to return them. Now, see, we still see that as a win for the animal because they got some time out of the shelter and we also learned more about what their perfect home would look like so we still call it a win and then you as the adopter also learns what kind of pet would be best for your home as well indianapolis animal care services participating in the best friends national adoption weekend with a sweater weather adoption event what's the website so it's indy.gov forward slash acs and then you'll just click on our adopt a pet card hey listen thank you so much we really appreciate it happy holidays to you and everybody there we appreciate you all so much. Thank you and have a happy holidays as well. Oh, yay. And now we're going to send it real quick over to Sam Fritz We're for our first day music report. Music fans, it's time to fill up your concert calendar with events happening throughout the state of Indiana this week. 
Today, you have two chances to catch Christmas rock icons, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, as their Ghost of Christmas Eve tour is being performed twice in Gainbridge Fieldhouse at 3 and 7.30 p.m. respectively. Feel nostalgic for the summertime? Catch the Beach Boys as they take to the stage at the Murat Theater in Indianapolis on Tuesday. Folk and bluegrass artist Bella Fleck and the Punch Brothers will be playing Close Memorial Hall on Butler University's campus, that show beginning at 7 p.m. on Thursday. Finally, on Friday, you can catch 90s rock act The Wallflowers performing in Nashville or country idol Reba McIntyre's rescheduled concert, which is happening at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. All tickets from the original date are being honored for this performance. Want more music and tour updates throughout the week? Be sure to follow me on Twitter at the letters IND Music Report. It seemed like y'all really enjoyed having multiple song recommendations last week, so I figured let's do it again this time. As you may know, I've been hesitantly excited over this new Gorillaz project, and the band seems to be trying to put those worries at ease as they release their fourth single off the upcoming Cracker Island album. This one's titled Skinny Ape. Let me just say I'm a fan. This song is uncharacteristically folky in the beginning, but evolves into a hyper-pop rock song by the end. The instrumentation and lyricism this song displays is something only Gorillaz lead singer Damon Albarn could pull off so well. But please, Gorillaz, stop teasing me. If you're going to release another single off this album, let it be the one with Stevie Nicks on it. I gotta know what that sounds like. Next up is the Rare American's new song, Little White Lies. This piece is a pretty standard alt-rock jam. It capitalizes off the band's latest album, You're Not a Bad Person, It's Just a Bad World. While this song is a bit of a step back from the intensity of their previous release, the poppy feel of this track helps diversify their sound and opens it up to a more casual listening audience. Lastly, the new SZA album, S.O.S., has only been out for two days and is already blowing up across the United States. On Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Music, if there's a trending chart or playlist, this album is being added to it. Across 23 tracks, SZA's marquee lo-fi sound is front and center throughout most of it, but she throws a couple of curveballs in there to keep the listener on their toes. Songs like F2F are as rock and roll as they come, and the track Ghost in the Machine features folk darling Phoebe Bridgers as well. Of course, don't just take my word for it. Any opinions that you may have on the songs that I suggest to you this week, tweet them at me at the letters IND Music Report. Include a voice clip and maybe you'll be featured in a future listener feedback segment. Here on First Day and for WIBC, this has been your Music Report. I'm Sam Sam. Fritz. Sorry, Sam. (laughs) I got so anxious. Hey, what are we hearing? Was that the end of his stuff? A partridge <gasps> in a pear tree. I love them. I love them. Do you know what this is? Straight no chaser. <gasps> exactly. And a partridge in a pear tree. That's why I'm not with them. <laughs> they're going to be in Indianapolis. They're today. Oh, they they're here. Yeah, they already are. They've got a. They're at the Murat. Straight No Chaser, three o'clock and a seven o'clock performance at the Murat today. They're Bloomington natives. They sure are. And the one guy works on Fox 59. I'm pretty sure. Wow. He's one of the hosts of their show, weekday show that starts like at 10. You know, kind of their indie, indie something. I wish I knew more. He's great, along with a real cute girl. Oh, dang it. <laughs> I wish I could tell you more about the show. I like it. Uh, anyway, it's 11.56. I feel like we had such a great show today because we got to fun. talk. Not we. We had great guests. We really did. I love talking to Pat Cook. She has the best story about meeting so many really important people, including 
she went to Washington and she met President John F. Kennedy. Oh, my gosh. And uh, that's a great story. I hope Pat Cook can come and join us again. 91 years young and sharp as nails. I mean, she is amazing. Her memory and her stories. Pat Cook, you know. You know who she is. In case you missed our interview. You can catch all this on our podcast. You going to put it up? Yes, we are. WIBC.com. That's where you'll find all of our old shows. Go check them all out. All of our old shows. Oh, well, old. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> all those old shows. There's She's got so them up much. there for you. There's so much, though, that you can still get a hold of. Okay. And, oh. Good, 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 good. Um, we're getting so close to Christmas. 14 days until Christmas. Next week will be our last show before the Christmas holiday. And uh, again, like always, we will have some fantastic programming for you. Just one more mention of the Salvation Army Radiothon. Uh, it can, it's not continuing on. I mean, it's over. But you can still donate. And you've done an amazing job of coming up with $430,345.76. Again, thanks to our sponsors, B Window and the, the Smith family and everybody, the, the phone, I mean, everybody that was a part of it, the volunteers uh, that managed those phone banks and the staff. Pat Sullivan, thank you for letting us come and hang out in your store again for two days. Uh, all the hosts did a great job as well. But we wanted to let you know that if you'd like to still continue to donate, because totals are still coming in, you can go to WIBCRadiothon.com. I think you can still text the word Hoosier to 24365. Uh-huh. Yay! <laughs> because you can. You can text it 24365 every That's single it. day, That's 24 it. hours. That's it. That's exactly right. And you have come, you've just made such a difference in so many lives. Thank you for that. I think I'm going to take. I think I'm going to say goodbye right now, so we can listen to my favorite Sunday song. Aw, well, happy Sunday, everyone! Thank you for today, Kylan. Today's top stories are coming up at the top of the hour. Thanks for joining us here on the first day. We'll catch you next week on 93 WIBC.